0: Tomorrow can be bigger yeah. Just grow Let the world overflow yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself You're created for greatness give a life
1: Welcome to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Visit gracechurchva.org for this message and to find out more about how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God, and we believe that his word calls for us to live big. So our prayer is that this broadcast empowers you to live a life so big that it blesses everyone and everything around you. Let's get into the teaching.
0: Father, we thank you for your word, Father, grant us ears to hear. Help us catch the principles that are laid out in this this text here. Help us understand better who you are and have confidence in your fatherhood. And we give you all the honor in advance. And the church says, amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 22, starting with the first verse. Again, super familiar. We've taught these verses before. But you're going to see something new. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now, God never tests us just to rub our face in our our weakness. That's not the type of God he is. But he tests us often to convince us of the strength that we wouldn't know we had otherwise. This may surprise you, but every individual, every single individual, that the Bible says that God tested Abraham, Joseph, uh, Job, Jeremiah. All of these individuals, the Bible says they passed. This is important. So if you never pass, God's not the one testing you. And you need to discern the Spirit. If God leads you into it, He will get you through it. That's the type of God, our God is. And even Jesus himself was tested in the wilderness, but he succeeded even in the face of Lucifer himself. God's testing him. And he said to him, he said, Abraham, I want to show everybody what you are made out of. And Abraham said, here I am. And as I said, last Sunday, God's not looking for perfect vessels, just available ones. But let's dig in a little bit. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And we only covered a portion of this last Sunday, but we're going to cover uh, the, the, the whole uh, portion that relates to the part we, we covered last week. Verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, you have to understand, Jesus was an incredibly commanding, but also an incredibly exciting individual. I mean, everybody wanted to follow him. Every man wanted to, to be like him, but he had to remind people that following him came at a price. And this is important. Never apologize for the standards that are in your life, Amen. because people who belong in your life will find a way to meet them. So so Jesus didn't say, you know what? There are no standards because I want it. No, 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 no. He said, if you belong here, you'll come up and you'll meet those standards, especially for the single women in this room and men. Verse 58. And Jesus said to him, he said, look, dude, foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Even though I am the Son of God, everyone's not treating me nicely. Everyone's not receiving me into their their home. And what he's saying is, look, fellow, the rewards that come from following me will not always come instantly. You see, discipleship is simply choosing what you want most over what you want now. And you have to often make that type of decision because what you really want sometimes doesn't show up, you know, like Johnny on the spot, and it doesn't automatically just fall out of the sky that there's a process involved. And at this point in his ministry, again, everyone wasn't receiving him, and and everyone didn't welcome them into his homes. But then he said to another Now, the first man pursued Jesus and said, uh, what did he say to Jesus? He said, uh, Lord, I'll follow you. But this time Jesus pursued the man. And he said to the man, he said, follow me. But then the man responded. He said, Lord, let me first. See, God has to be first. He said, let me what first. This is the problem. This is the whole problem. The problem was not with his relationship with his father the problem was what was first in his life let me first go and bury what what, my what father now his dad might have been terminally ill i i don't i don't know the scripture doesn't tell us but it's really clear that his primary priority was to please his dad and fulfill the burial duties that came as a son of the house now uh, a jewish funeral often lasted an entire year you buried him and uh, then you waited until the, the bones fell off the body and then you revisited the tomb about a year later and you, you put the, the bones in a little kind of jar thing and, and you put uh, his body with uh, all of the ancestors and, and it, was, it was something of a, a long period. But in either case, I want you to watch Jesus' response. He said, and this is tough, let the dead bury their dead. He was saying, let the spiritually dead Tend to the physically dead now is jesus asking us to abandon our family responsibilities no no that, that's not what's happening but what he is saying is if you're going to follow him he must come first because he, god, god himself asked him to do something but he said first and that's when we get in trouble when god speaks but we have a first that's not god in our lives And what God was trying to do, he was trying to reveal this man's half-hearted attitude. If God is really our God, he would really never have to wait on us. We'd always be waiting on him. But often God is waiting on us because first this, first that, then God, maybe I'll get to you. But Jesus didn't want that type of disciple following him with that type of attitude. So Jesus said, hey, dude, let, I don't know this dude thing keeps coming out of my mouth, but (laughs) let the dead bury their own dead. Watch this. But you, you see, others may not have been able to handle what Jesus had just said, but Jesus had invested enough in this man's life for him to take hold of it and to embrace it. You see, no one wants to feel like they're, they're constantly auditioning for a place in your life, especially God. And God, sometimes we make him feel like he's competing with our jobs, he's competing with our bride, he's competing with our children, he's competing with, with the sports, he's competing with everything, And he co- keeps auditioning for a role in our lives. And no one wants to live like that, much less the God who deserves all our attention, all our heart, our first focus, our, our first love. So he said, he said, let the dead bury the dead, leave that to others. But you go and watch this and preach the kingdom of God. This is important. If you're only willing to do what everybody else does, you're only going to get what everybody else gets. Great sacrifices, great rewards. So if God ever asks you to sacrifice, it's because he's looking at the reward on the other side. Back to Genesis 22 and verse 2. And this is really what I want to talk about today. Then God said, take now, right now, not later, your son. Now, most of us familiar with the life of Abraham, we, we've, we've taught these things. So we, we know that Abraham actually gave his wife away a couple times. So his love for Sarah, at least in my mind, is just a little bit suspect. <laughs> just, just a little bit. I mean, be honest with you. I mean, you're going into a tough neighborhood. He was going in Egypt, tough area. And he's like, take my wife. King, do what you want with her. And then he said to the wife, let them take you so they don't hurt me. How do you think you'd have a continuing and and strong ongoing marriage after that particular point? (laughs) So my guess is, that his son was probably the only one that really, really, really had Abraham's heart. And by the way, these were not perfect, men; They are all frail and human like, like he's. So don't be surprised when you discover some of their, their weaknesses. He said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you uh, love. Meaning there was no one that Abraham was more attached to. No other person could take Isaac's place in, in Abraham's life. But here's what I know. Anything that comes before God has become our God. Even family. I love my wife, but that was Adam's problem. He loved this woman more than his God. So when she came with a piece of fruit, he was focused on the hips, lips, and fingertips. He's so busy looking down, he didn't look up. And and I love my wife. I love my children. But everybody that knows me, God comes first. And don't ever push me to have to choose. Because though she might be able to put you in hell on earth. She can't heaven. So, So in life you have to make some choices. Thank God my wife doesn't ever have to make me make that choice. <clears throat> he said, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. Here's a question. How could a loving father give up his only son to such a monstrous demand. I mean, see, we're reading the book and, and we're a little bit removed. But, I mean, put yourself in, in, in Isaac's situation. What type of God would ever ask that of a human being? But verse 3 is really interesting. It says, so Abraham procrastinated. No, no. He rose early in the morning. This is amazing. No dragging of the feet. No emotional turmoil. It's like he was whistling as he walked when you read the scriptures. And he simply saddled his donkey. I mean, I'd be fiddling with that, that saddle. I, I couldn't think right and all that. But, but he's just doing his thing. Got up early, had his coffee, and, and, and went out. I know that's not in there, but that's the way I see it. And he saddled his donkey. And took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. How could a loving father do this to his child in the name of God? How could this happen? Was Abraham a murderer? It's one thing to not treat your wife right. But being a murderer is a whole different category let's dig in hebrews 11 and verse 17 tells us a little bit more and we're gonna when we go back to the text we're gonna also see it there it says by faith by what by believing something he couldn't see by believing something that wasn't yet apparent to his eyes because he trusted in the character and the nature of his god in spite of what seemed so monstrous And there are things and there are times in our life, the thing God asks us to do really makes him look bad. And you have to really trust his character and say, well, if God is asking us, asking me to do this, there must be some good reason right now. It doesn't add up and doesn't make sense. But if God's asking me, and he's a good, good father. There must somehow be some redeeming uh, thing that's going to come out of this situation by faith. And that's the problem. A lot of us don't have any faith. We don't really believe in God. And when he asks us to do something, we don't do it because it's like, well, God, if I do it, something bad's going to happen. Well, does he love you? Is he for you? If he's asking you to do it, it's because it's best for you. And on the other side of it is a blessing. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He, God didn't pull it from him. He offered it up. And God's a little weary sometimes with trying to release from our hands all that stuff we're holding on to. It's like over my dead claw, God, when you get this thing. But not Abraham. He offered up the only one he really, really loved, Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. This whole event was designed to, to foreshadow what God would do one day with his own son. But watch the next verse. Of what it is said, in Isaac, the son that he was about to kill, your seed shall be called. Meaning, God asked Abraham to sacrifice the very child that God had promised the nation of Israel and the Messiah would one day come through. And because Isaac did not have children yet, The Bible says this. He concluded or concluding. Abe came to a conclusion. And here's the deal. When 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 God's asking us to do things that on the surface look not so good. And we really believe that he's for us and he loves us. The conclusions we come to matter. And in the face of this situation, old Abe came to a conclusion, and here's his conclusion. If God promised something in Isaac's future, and it hadn't come to pass yet, no matter what happened to him that day, his life must not be over. It's important. God said through Isaac, the nation shall be blessed out of isaac i i will bless your seed and they will become a great people but isaac didn't have any babies he didn't have any children yet so abraham in his lightning fast mind did some reasoning how you reason when god doesn't make sense will make all the difference in whether or not you obey you see all of god's promises will be fulfilled in the end If they're not yet fulfilled, it must not be the end That's why I'm not I I know I'm not dying tomorrow because god showed me some things that I haven't done yet in my life And that's why you ought to know you're not dying tomorrow because god is showing you things And if he hasn't showed you things you just might But as for me i'm like lord keep showing me Keep showing me and the devil be like, uh, you are getting old, oh boy. You know, yeah, the, the best. The devil is a lie. God, keep showing me. Keep showing me. There's more life in this boy. Watch this. Concluding, this was his conclusion. Abraham's conclusion. He's not even under the New Testament. It's the Old Covenant. He didn't even have this whole book to read. He could only read up to Genesis 22. And actually, the Bible wasn't even written yet. Moses wrote it. So all he had was probably verbal narratives concluding that god was able to raise him up see his thinking was again if god promised see through this boy and god's telling me to kill this boy that must mean he's gonna what get up and come back concluding that god was able to raise him even even i mean even sometimes you know stuff gets really bad really nasty and and really difficult but he's like even death couldn't stop God. So believe me, if death couldn't stop God, your little bitty situation can't stop God. And this is my whole point for Father's Day, my whole point. The reason Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son was only because he believed his son would come back. The only way our God can be a good, good father and let us go through some of the things that we're going through in life is because he already sees your comeback. Because you're thinking, God, are you sadistic? God, are you mean, how is this happening? God's like, I see the other side. And you need to operate in faith. You need to trust me. If I'm, listen, if, again, if I'm sending you to it, I'll get you through it. Just trust me. I got gotcha. you. Genesis 22 and 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. But it didn't bother him because he knew weeping may endure for a night. But get through the night and joy comes in the morning. You see, God is not alarmed by what you're going through because he already planned and sees your reversal. Here's where my faith is today. No one can hurt me more than God can reward me. So some people say, well, I believe in God. I'll never get hurt. Good luck with that. Sometimes I get hurt bad real bad but I'm persuaded you know what if they can hurt me that bad oh you can bless me that good God you will not be outdone by a human or by the devil and that's where my faith lies and I hope you're in the same boat you know I've illustrated this in the past I kind of see life a little bit like a a, a bouncy ball the higher you throw me down the higher I'm going to bounce back up But God doesn't promise you're not going to be thrown down. He just says, you will come back. Five. And Abraham said to the young man, he said, "Um, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go over yonder and worship. You see, Abraham, by faith, had a different perspective. You see, those of us that don't read this by faith... We're like, man, he should be wringing his hands. He should be crying and, and screaming. But you see, if Abraham faced the field of, of dandelions, he wouldn't see a hundred weeds. He'd see a thousand wishes. It's up to you how you see a thing. He said, stay here with a donkey. In other words, hold my mule. You see, when God's promises are alive on the inside of you, a trial is just another opportunity to throw your hands up and worship God. But it's up to you to do that. God can't do that for you. He says, stay here with the donkey. And I will go yonder and worship. I want you to notice... The plural matter of fact, before I I go there, I want you to notice, before he could make it to the top of the mountain, he had to leave some donkeys behind. And some of those donkeys in your life are not going to go with you to the top of your hill. And unless you're willing to leave them and walk on with God, you're never going to get where you're going. It's my story. I'll tell it how I want. He said, the Lord and I will go up yonder in worship. Notice the plural. that comes up here. And we, and we, and we, and both of us will come back. You see, Abraham had the comeback on his mind. And when you're dealing with sacrifice, have the comeback on your mind. Abraham fully expected to return with his son. If God leads you to it, it's only because he's going to lead you through it. Trust him. Amen. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac's back, his son. Does that remind you of anyone who carried some wood on his back? And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. In spite of all this, watch what the next clause tells us. And the two of them went together. If God's really good and you really believe it, you'll keep walking with him. Yeah, amen. Yes, sir. Isaac believed in his father. Thank you. Thank you. Isaac trusted his father. And because of it, he was willing to keep walking. Yeah. But here's the deal. Many of us, we reach that place in our life where we can't make sense of it in our heads. Where God looks like he's not kind, we walk away. Ultimately, we didn't really trust him, we just kind of trusted the favors. It's like, Lord, as long as you keep it coming, I'm gonna keep on going with you. But God wants to deepen our faith where we're not just trusting in his blessings, we're trusting in his nature and his character. That, Lord, you know, you are good, and though you slay me, yet I will trust you. Though it makes no sense, though I lose my job, though I lose everything. I will trust you because on the other side of this loss, there must be a comeback or you wouldn't walk me
1: through it. This has been Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. Access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join the Grace Church family for worship online every Sunday and Wednesday on social media at Grace Church VA or on our website at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, live big.